The following is a sermon from the church at Cherrydale in Greenville, South Carolina. To learn more, visit us at tccherrydale.com. Good morning. Glad to see you all out here for our outdoor worship gathering. Thank you, band. This was awesome. Um, tell you, the, the last time I think I've been in teaching or preaching in heat like this, it was in the rainforest of Peru. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad I could bring back the mugginess with me here to, to South Carolina today. Um, but hey, it's, we got some clouds. It's okay. Glad y'all could be here. And we're continuing our sermon series on the Messiah songs, looking at Psalm 23 this morning. And Matt kicked us off last week with verses 1 through 3. So we're going to be in Psalm 23, verse 4. And in the, the first three verses, Matt showed us the difference between being a sheep of the Lord versus being uh, a sheep without a shepherd. And so he, he drew that contrast for us, showed us uh, parallels and examples uh, from what it, what it was like to be a sheep and a shepherd in the ancient world. And today we're, we're looking at kind of a, a hinge, a transition in this well-known psalm uh, that, that changes the subject. Uh, everything before was about me and my, and now he's, he's going to use the word I as the subject. He's going to make it intensely personal, and I hope that this psalm, as we connect with it this morning, as we connect with God's word, that it would be intensely personal for us as well. So let's read together from Psalm 23, verse Four, it says, even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, today we're going to look at this passage using six short questions uh, with some, some explanation to kind of walk us through what this verse means for us today. You know, when, when David uses this phrase, it's a phrase that, that means uh, the, the darkest valley. What is it? It's, it's something that is complete dread, ominous foreboding, fear for your life. I think about uh, the, the movie Jurassic Park and for the youngsters in the room, yes, the original Jurassic Park uh, that was actually really scary uh, as, a, as a young preteen kid watching that. Um, and and when, the, when darkness fell, and you know they had to go outside to switch on the power. You knew something was going to go wrong. It was, it was that sense in your gut that something bad was going to happen. That is the, the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, as I memorized this passage as a kid. Um, so what, what I need some help this morning is from our kids in the audience uh, who have got a TCC Kids packet. And if you don't have one, if you're 10 and under and you don't have one, there's a tent in the back that you can grab one. And inside that pack, you're going to find something really awesome. It is a piece of sidewalk chalk. And um, I don't know about you kids, but my kids have become complete artists with sidewalk chalk over the last three months. So uh, what I need your help with is uh, I need your help illustrating something and making this message practical for you. 
I want you to get out that piece of sidewalk chalk and there close to mom and dad, just start drawing out something that makes you scared. Maybe something that wakes you up in the middle of the night and gives you a bad dream. Maybe something you wouldn't want to encounter in a dark room. And I want you to draw that out, put your name by it. And uh, somewhere when you're done, get mom or dad or another adult to take a picture of that and post it on the TCC members Facebook uh, group. And we're going to be able to like and comment on those awesome graphics. So thinking about things that make us scared, things that make us afraid. Uh, often, you know, when we think about valleys, I, I tend to picture something beautiful, something picturesque, um, something maybe from a travel uh, channel or something from Switzerland. But I, I think that David had something a little different in mind because, you know, he says in the, the next phrase that he's not going to be afraid of the danger because his shepherd's there in the valley. So obviously he means something a little different than that picturesque valley. Uh, he means something very foreboding. I, I think of uh, probably on, on the, the Netflix series Medal of Honor, they, uh, they, they demonstrated a, a, uh, a war or a battle that happened in the war in Afghanistan. And this is uh, the, the Battle of Kemdesh at Command Outpost Keating. And this happened, <coughs> happened in October of uh, 2009. And you had uh, a group of well-armed, well-equipped U.S. soldiers that were there in this valley, in this command outpost that 360 degrees around was just mountains, uh, rock outcroppings, uh, vegetation, good places to hide and things like that. And so there they are at the base of this, this, the, these mountains all around. And then uh, in October, suddenly the enemy attacked and within 48 minutes of the start of that attack, the uh, perimeter of that command outpost had been breached. And so for, for hours, those soldiers fought to repel the enemy, uh, even, even though the enemy was lesser trained, poorly equipped in comparison. Uh, they struggled because of the terrain. They were in the valley, and so the enemy could rain sniper fire and mortar fire down on them. And so eventually they had to give up the base. They, they were able to retake it and evacuate and literally sent bombers on to destroy the base so it could never be used by the enemy when they evacuated. Eight U.S. soldiers lost their lives, 27 injured in that attack. Um, that's probably more the idea that David's trying to go after in the valley. The, the valley is a place of danger, a place where you can be attacked on all sides, a place where you're never really safe, a place that you're never really at home. And so that raises a question for us. So David says that this is his experience, that in the valley, the shepherd is with him. And so it's something practical for us. What does it mean and how do we experience dark valleys today? Uh, there are at least two ways that we can experience dark valleys. One is individually. Um, we, we can walk through these valleys, whether it's, it's ongoing panic attacks, whether it's uh, traumatic abuse, uh, gut-wrenching diagnosis. Maybe, maybe it's something like betrayal of a friend or loss of a loved one. 
But we've been in dark valleys before. If you've lived for very long, you know what that feels like. And there are some of you that are probably sitting out here this morning or watching on the live stream that are feeling this right now and saying, I, I am in a dark valley right now. And if you're not feeling that, maybe you're about to go into one. But we experience those dark valleys individually. We also experience them corporately, together as a church, even broader as a, as a culture. I mean, you, you can't look at what's going on in the news or in your news feeds and say that we're not in a dark valley as a culture right now. Uh, part of my job is I work on websites and um, help Christian ministries answer the questions that the world is asking right now. And so part of what I do is analyze search trends. I know it sounds really nerdy, and it is. Um, and so uh, one, of, one of the things that's up right now, trending very high, is the word prayer. It's, it's crazy high. People are trying to search how to pray, why to pray, uh, but, but prayer is a simple search term that's gone crazy. You know, you know, another one that's gone up two and a half times normal daily volume, just simply the word death and the word die. Our culture is thinking about death. Our, our culture is thinking about what happens when, when the soul is separated from the body. What does that mean? What's the implication for us? How do we process this? We're in the, the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, we, we've seen on our mobile devices the, the murder of, of black men. We, we see in the news every day about... Uh, Disease taking its toll killed, killed over 100,000 people in our nation over the last few months. Um, we, we, we see the chaos. We see, um, you know, even whether politically right or left, everybody is talking about government abuses and overreach. Uh, we, we see issues of lack of food on shelves that we would expect to see there. We, we see, um, you know, societal unravel and unrest. And we think, my, this is, this is uncharted territory. Uh, th this, is, uh, this, this, is, this is totally unexpected, un uh, the, the other phrase, unprecedented times, right? And we think, my, we are so unique. We're, we have such a, such a bizarre experience we're going through. And I, I want to suggest to us, uh, it, it's not really that bizarre. It's not really that unique. It's not unique in history. Um, I think of... There's a, there's a phrase I really like from uh, philosopher Peter Kreeft, and he says that moderns often look down their noses at the Victorian era, and they say, my, they, they never talked about sex. All they talked about was death. What was wrong with those morbid people? And he turns it around and says, well, well the problem is the moderns, all they do is talk about sex and pleasure. They never think about death. But you know what? Our culture is experiencing uh, somewhat of a backlash from that. Maybe we haven't thought enough about death. Maybe we haven't thought more about the, the big realities of what happens to us when we die. So it's, it's not unique historically. In fact, we're, we're linking arms with a deep Christian tradition of people who have faced death, thought about death, talked to cultures that were thinking about death. We're also linking arms geographically. We're linking arms with brothers and sisters. That I, I used to talk on, on Zoom or on, on Skype with brothers and sisters from around the world, missionaries, uh, church planters, and so on. 
and they would tell me, you know, Phil, we're, we're facing food shortages this week, or there are riots and, and the government's unstable right now. Uh, could you please pray for us? Or we're, we're having to meet in isolation right now, and, and we're meeting over Zoom, and, and we're, we're having to, uh, you know, one of our pastors is, is having Zoom meetings into these small groups or to individuals because right now the government's cracked down and we can't use our facility. Um, and, and to me, I used to think about those experiences and say, I mean, that sounds really terrible, but I have no category for that. But now, by God's grace, I kind of little bit do. And I can, I can at least mentally start to link arms with brothers and sisters from around the globe and say, yes, I'm, I'm in the valley with you. This is not uncharted terrain. This is not unprecedented times. Um, this, this, is, this is us linking arms with church history and with the global church. So the third question, I think all of us ask at some point when we personally encounter these things, or even corporately looking out at the world and the chaos around us, we'll, we'll ask, well, but why? Why do we have to go through the darkest valley? Why is this a reality in my life? Uh, or, or the life of someone who, who seems like they should deserve a much better shot? I mean, they, they didn't deserve to, to be diagnosed with that. I mean, they were a good person. They were, they're young. Why did, why did they have to go through that valley? It doesn't make sense. You know, I, I don't have all the answers to that question, but I, I can tell you, at least from this passage, when we think about what it means as a shepherd leading his sheep through dark valleys, um, there are at least a couple reasons why a shepherd would lead his sheep through dark valleys. Um, one is that if you've ever done much hiking, you know that the best path to the top of the mountain or the best path to higher ground is not straight up the face of the mountain. It's almost impossible. So even if the shepherd could make it up the mountain himself, he's not going to lead his sheep straight up the face of the mountain. He's going to lead them by the path of the valleys, the slowly winding, slowly climbing paths. The other reality about the, the valleys is that counterintuitively, that that's where the grass grows because the water flows down to the valleys. And so you have these streams there in the valleys and that provides nourishment for the sheep. And so even though we would expect these places to be just places of sheer danger, there's oddly enough some ways that God nourishes his people in the valleys in different ways than he nourishes his people out in the, the safe pasture lands. Those are some, some realities about the path that we encounter. And that leads us to a fourth question. What does it mean to go through the valleys? You see there in, in the text, he says that I go through, even though I go through the darkest valley. I, I guess the best way I can think of putting it is, is to relate to it personally. Um, about six years ago, uh, a series of events put me and my family in that darkest valley. Uh, we were about, our, our oldest was one year old at that point, and uh, she did not sleep through the night. Every two to three hours, she would wake up. Um, I'm glad no one had told us at that point that that would be uh, ongoing for three years. Um, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was a dark valley even by that factor. 
Um, I was miserable at my job. Uh, and then to, to cap things off, there, there was some turmoil that, that kicked up in the church that we had been in for, for many years um, to the point where, you know, good, good friends, even people that were in our wedding party and so on had uh, turned against each other. There was all kinds of division. Um, Christians were going after Christians to try to make them lose their jobs. And I stepped back from this and just was like, what is going on? Like, maybe I was naive or something going into this, but I never knew that Christians could treat Christians so poorly. And uh, I I began to sink into uh, depression, struggled to be able to read the Bible without just all kinds of terrible thoughts and doubts flooding my mind. Um, I, I couldn't pray. And it was, a, it was a dark night of the soul, as some have described it. Um, Laurel began to struggle with anxiety. Um, our, our trouble, our challenges with our oldest were only kind of making that situation worse. And so uh, we, we eventually started visiting here at TCC. And uh, I, I asked Matt, hey, can I, can I meet with you and just share what's on my heart? And, and he did. We met over at Starbucks. And I just started bearing my soul about where, where we were at and how we felt hurt and betrayed and like whether we could even do anything further for God or, or whether I could even trust God. And, he's, and he encouraged me. He said, Phil, you know what the next right step is. Take it. Go, go through to the, to the good and the right and the true. Move in that direction. As, as you go, You'll find clarity and you will find hope. You know, I, I took that, that counsel to heart and began to take those steps. And by God's grace, he led us through the valley. Because, because the, the destination is not the valley. The destination is on the other side of the valley. It's not the point that your, your shepherd will never leave you in the valley. It's, it's a pathway to something else. And you know, when, we, when we find ourselves in the valley, we begin to obsess, well, what did I do to get me there? What, what, if, what if I would have done this or that? What, what if I, I would have made that judgment call instead of that one? Maybe I did something really wrong way back when, and now God's judging me for it. And, and we start to game out, well, how do we get out of this? Maybe, maybe I take a left here or right there. What, what if I make this decision or that decision? We start gaming our way out of it. But we're missing the point. The, the, the point is not how we get out of the valley. It's who stands beside us in the valley. The, the point isn't uh, where I'm at right now, but where my shepherd is taking me to. That's going through the valley. Praise the Lord that he doesn't leave us in the valley. Whether it's taking us to some place in this life where, where our lives, our walk with God are transformed and taken to a different place, or whether it's taking us to a different place in the next life, the life to come, God uses the valleys. God takes us through the valleys because he is our shepherd. So let's think about that. Who is our shepherd? Who is our shepherd? We see that he's a well-equipped shepherd. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What, is, what does a rod do? Well, 
It's, it's a tool for defense against the predator. It's a, it's a tool that, that helps keep the, the sheep on the right path. Sometimes uh, these staffs would be throwable, and so they could throw it out to the fringes where a, sh a sheep was going out off the path and scare the sheep back to the right path. Um, it was a, a tool for counting the sheep and making sure you had, in, in Ezekiel, it talks about passing under the rod of God. And so they, they would count the sheep, and the, as they would count them coming into the fold, they would use that to feel, to see if there were any injuries on the sheep that they would react to. When we think about sheep being defenseless, I need some help from some kids here. What are your favorite, coolest, most awesome animals? Can, can any kids tell me what, what the most awesome animals are? You can, you can just speak up. Elephants. Elephants, awesome. Anybody else? What are some other awesome animals? Giraffes. Wow. What else? A cheetah. So these, these awesome animals have really cool defense mechanisms, generally. Generally. I mean, even giraffes, they can kind of run. They can kind of see their enemy coming a long way off, right? Uh, elephants have their tusks. And cheetahs, my goodness, wouldn't want to mess with a cheetah. But, but when we start to think about defenseless animals or the uncool animals, even like donkeys, they can kick. Uh, even skunks, they stink. Even chickens, nobody wants to be called a chicken, right? And chickens have talons. My, my little brother used to get chased around the yard. We had chickens that kind of roamed around. And uh, they would chase him around the yard till, till he got so afraid he wouldn't go outside. Um, moles, you know, those things that dig holes around your backyard? Yeah, those have teeth. Don't ask me how I know that. It's a very personal experience, but I know that. They have teeth. Um, sheep are not really animals with great defense mechanisms. You know, I think about 1 Peter 5.8, it talks about our, our adversary is a roaring lion. He's got fangs. He's got claws, and he's ready to just rip us apart. And here we are as lambs. You know, the, the betting odds of lions versus lambs, not very good. Just they, they don't tend to stand a very good chance. But now if you factor into those odds the fact that the lamb has a shepherd by its side, now that's something different. And our shepherd's equipped with a rod. He's also equipped with a staff. Staff does at least three things. Uh, one, it, it restores relationships. The, um, the little ewe lambs, when they get separated from their moms, the shepherd has to put them back with their moms so that they can care for them. And if the shepherd picks up that ewe lamb with its hands, he's going to contaminate it with the scent of other sheep. And so he uses the staff to transfer the ewe lambs over to their moms so they can, they can get nourished and not be rejected. Um, he uses that to examine the shy sheep that, that hang out on the fringes, and he reaches out and pulls them in so he can, he can inspect them and make sure they're okay. And he uses it as an extension of himself. I, I read about how some shepherds would even, as, as they're trying to comfort or show their presence to their favorite lambs, would reach out their staff and just rest it on the side of the sheep. 
And by that way, they, they signified, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. I'm close by. Don't be afraid. Have you ever felt the touch of your shepherd's staff? Have you ever seen the sting of his rod against an enemy? Then chances are you've been in the dark valley. And he's been there with you. But have you seen it? Did you recognize it for what it was? You know, when, when we think about this shepherd, it's, it's one thing to have all the equipment in the world, to be ready for whatever comes. But you know what? If you don't know the terrain, it's not going to help much. But you know what? There's something awesome about our shepherd, and that is that he knows every inch of the valley of the shadow of death. You know why? He's been there. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's been there. He's, he's absorbed the deepest sting of death. He knows your deepest gloom, your sharpest pain. He, he's been there. He's been to the, the funeral of someone he loved, and he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He's been there. He's felt that pain. And he didn't just weep at the pain. It says, it says there in, in John that, that he, he shouted out, an angry shout, the text implies. Angry at death. He felt the sting and pain of death. He felt what did, what did he say on the cross? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was, he was rejected by his father, who, whom he had eternal fellowship with from before time began. Rejected by the father and darkness fell on him. Deep darkness, darkness that the Bible says could be, could be felt. He experienced that rejection so that you and I would Never feel that rejection. Never be separated from the Father. Never feel the shepherd's staff pulled away from us. This is the shepherd who's been in the dark valley. When, when you are wondering, what you know, how, how can I trust him? How do I know that he's good? How do I know that he has my best interests at heart? Look at the cross. Look at what he did for us in the gospel and find hope in him. <clears throat> Lastly, as we apply this, I would, I would question, <clears throat> how do we respond when we find ourselves in the dark valleys? <clears throat> well, first, don't ignore the despair. Oftentimes our reaction when we find ourselves in situations is um, to react almost as, as you would see in, in Hindu culture, they, they say that pain and suffering is not real. It's, it's imaginary. And so, so the reaction is to say, I'm, I'm going to ignore the situation I find myself in. I'm going to ignore the pain, ignore the suffering, and just try to, try to suck it up and get through this. And I would say, don't, don't, don't ignore it, because the shepherd has a purpose in you being in despair. The, the shepherd has a purpose in the dark valley, we may not see it in this life, but he has a purpose. He always leads his sheep intentionally, not accidentally. So there is purpose in the valley. 
Secondly, look down the path of despair. Uh, instead of getting absorbed in the moment, we should look down to where the shepherd is taking us. It's a pathway to something else. Look for what he's doing with you, where he's taking you. I would encourage you the, the practice of journaling. Write down your thoughts, write down your prayers, even, even the things that, that are those gut-wrenching cries to God and saying, why, why am I going through this? Why, why is our culture unraveling at the seams? Why is this happening? And share that turmoil with God. Because you know what? At some point down the road, you may actually find what is your, currently your deepest frustration and anguish to be your greatest joy. Because you can look back at that and say, look how God provided. Look how God was with me in that valley. I never would have imagined it. Third, discover comfort in the valley. Counterintuitively, doesn't make sense. But if your shepherd is with you, you will have comfort. You will have his staff by your side. Yes, you will feel danger, but you will feel his presence. He is just as well equipped to protect you on the pasture lands where everything is safe and everything is comfortable as he is in the deepest, darkest valleys in the darkest night of your soul. Can you trust him for that? Can you look to him for that? And lastly, will you go with your shepherd into dark valleys? Because sometimes the shepherd has another point that I didn't mention. Jesus said that he would leave 99 sheep back in the fold in order to go after one that has strayed. Jesus specializes in going to the dark places, the broken places, the sad places, the places of despair, so he can rescue sheep that are going to be his, that he is going to put his name on. And he goes to those places intentionally. Will you go with him into those dark places, into those dark valleys? And that means sometimes we're going to have to feel some, some dread, some discomfort, some frustration and pain that we may say that this, this doesn't seem fair, but we're going into places where Jesus is claiming sheep. We're going to feel pain, but we get to point them to our shepherd. We get to, uh, we, we experience the, the despair that others are going through so that they can find our shepherd. We may at times go and experience those things and think about those things and say uh, to other sheep, your lives matter because they matter to me and they matter to my shepherd. And that's what it looks like sometimes in the dark valley, experiencing what our culture is experiencing so that we may point them to our shepherd. So let's pray as we consider that uh, as we consider how we can find comfort in the deepest, darkest valleys. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us alone in the valley. We thank you that you are a good shepherd and you know what is best for your sheep. You're caring for us. You are, are looking out for, for your sheep and claiming sheep from all over the world. 
you are seeking out the lost. I pray that you would help us to be agents in that work, that we would be sheep that stay by your side in the valley as well as in the pasture lands, even where it's safe and even in places of deepest, darkest night. I pray that you would be with those today that are experiencing a dark night where they can't really see what's going on. They can't see where you're taking them. And I pray that you would be at work in those situations, that you would give comfort, that your staff would be on the side of those sheep, that you would tell them, you are mine, and I'm not going anywhere. And I pray that that would encourage souls this morning that find themselves in sorrow. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.